And I'm Grant. Before we get started, as always, make sure you follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Atypical Rainbow, where we make sure to update you on new episodes and any interesting articles we may find um, as we scour the internet. Today's episode is another series in the ARAV Club. Today we're going to talk about one of my favourite TV shows of all time, Sailor Moon. This is the first time we're going to talk about anime. So this is going to be this is going to be a bit more broadly about anime and, and a bit more about gaming in general. But for those of you who have not dis- yet discovered Sailor Moon, Sailor Moon has been around since I believe the late eighties, maybe the early nineties. When I was growing up, it was on Agro's Cartoon Connection. That shows how old I am. Uh, it's about uh, these five uh, young girls in their early teens. I think they're meant to be about fourteen who uh, each represent one of the the first five planets, except for Earth, because it's Sailor Moon. They each have magical powers that are based on elements, and they fight evil. You don't really need to know much more about that, but why I loved it when I was a kid was the animation. The animation was beautiful and elegant. A little bit repetitive, as is the nature of anime from the the 90s. Like the English versions of anime in the 90s. True, yes, I should be more specific, you're right. But it is iconic. It is an iconic series that got remade in, I think, 2018 or 2019. And um, there was recently a movie that came out on Netflix. It's currently called Sailor Moon Crystal. The reason why I wanted to talk about Sailor Moon today was not just to, you know, fangirl over Sailor Moon. Well, first, I have a very important question. Would you recommend anyone watch the 90s version? No, the 90s... Well, the 90s version that you might be able to obtain, which is very difficult. Um, There are DVD box sets out there, but they're still in volumes. Why, I don't know. So you have to get, like, you know, 50 different volumes to get the whole series. I would not bother. It is repetitive. It is very Monster of the Week, which is not necessarily a bad thing. Buffy did Monster of the Week very well. Sailor Moon did not. I, if you're going to get into it, I highly recommend the new series, Sailor Moon Crystal. There are three series. Each only have like 12 or 13 episodes, but it's nice and well-paced and beautifully drawn. And then the movies that follow are also very good. So, have you ever watched Sailor Moon? Yes, I've watched Sailor Moon, but I don't really have any memories of it. Okay. Probably when I was watching Agro. Yes. weirdly, I'm just as old as you are. <laughs> so... The what I want to talk about is gay erasure. When I first watched Sailor Moon, I remember that there were these two characters. Now, I'm going to get this wrong, I think. It's Zoisite and Jadeite. So there were two men, um, and they were lackeys to the main villain in the season one of the original Sailor Moon. Now, both of them uh, have quite long hair, and I think Zoisite is fairly effeminate in nature, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but in the first series, there seemed to be something going on between the two of them, but it was never explicitly said. There was just a lot of funny banter going on, and uh, but you're like, okay, that's that's all fine. In fact, sorry, I'm going to take that back. I think in the first series, Zoisite was um, depicted as a woman. Okay, Because, yeah. again, the character had long hair and was quite effeminate in nature. Mm-hmm. I then discovered in Sailor Moon Crystal when they remade it that actually Zoisite and Jadeite are one of four kings. So Zoisite was male and Jadeite and Zoisite were actually in love with each other. Okay. Now, in the Sailor Moon Crystal, they definitely talk about the love. There's no kissing scene or anything. Like, it's not Mm -hmm. quite PDA, but it's definitely there. Like, they do not hide it. And it kind of just blew my mind because I'm like, I didn't... I didn't know that. Like, I, I kind of struggled. I didn't realise that was, that was the case. And so, you know, what they'd done is when they had translated it from 
um, you know, the original Japanese to the English, they'd rejigged it so yeah. that they hid away the um, the gay relationship. I thought that was really fascinating. And as I understand it, that isn't even the first time that it's happened. You know, with like in gaming, it's fairly common as well, right? Yeah, like I don't, I don't know, like the timing wise between like any particular games and Sailor Moon. So I, I don't know which one would have come first, because sometimes you feel like gaming, gaming travels at a different speed. Mm. Like you go, oh wow, like Final Fantasy, that's a really old series, and it, you'll discover you. It's, you know, younger than you. <laughs> um, I came across it because I like JRPGs. So most of and the... Sorry, for those people who don't know what a JRPG is. It's a Japanese role-playing game, okay. which in, is a complicated thing because it's not necessarily a geographical thing. It's more of a genre thing, but yeah. I won't go into that at the moment. <laughs> yeah, we, we won't over-nerd you if you're not already a nerd. Yes. If, if you want, like, a special episode where I explain what a JRPG <laughs> is, let me know. <laughs> um, but yeah, so basically they are made generally in Japan. So they are originally written in Japanese, voiced in Japanese. So by the time I play them, at very least they're subtitled. Most of the time they're also dubbed. Mm. A lot of the early ones didn't have any voice acting at all, so basically subtitling was dubbing. Mm. There wasn't any difference. So, with the beautiful internet, um, it got to a point where basically every time a JRPG game was coming out in the West, someone would post, you know, in the Japanese version, these were lesbians, or in the Japanese version, this person was a lesbian, or whatever. Uh, now, some of the stuff that they do censor out... Um, they seem a bit more open to incestuous relationships <laughs> in JRPGs, so I'm kind of probably glad they censor that. And sometimes they do put more clothes on women, which I do appreciate as well. Mm. <laughs> there have been sort of lesbian relationships that get turned to friends in JRPGs, so that's sort of my awareness of it. Uh, not so much in anime. Well, so interestingly in Sailor Moon, they did something similar. So in later series, so it starts off with the, the, the first five planets, again, if you don't include Earth. So they have Mars, Mercury, Jupiter, and Venus. So they have the four, the, well, they have the, um, the four outer planets, which again, at this point was including Pluto. So this is before Pluto stopped being a planet. So Saturn, uh, Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto. Mm. And Neptune and Uranus are in a relationship. So they're two, they're all, it's an all, it's all female, um, you know, sailor troop as it were, and they're in a relationship. But again, in the original series, they're, um, when translated to English, they are written as cousins, Mm -hmm. but weirdly they kept in some of the flirty banter. So then they, in, um, without meaning to, they added an incestuous element to it because they're clearly in a relationship. But once again, in Salem and Crystal in the update, um, they, they've taken a really interesting step where not only are they like committed lovers, but Uranus, depending on how you look at it, it may be gender fluid. Right? So the way they represent her, and they do use the her pronouns, is that she identifies neither as male nor female. But it's odd because although they make the one passing statement about it for the rest of the series she's considered a female. But what happens is in... So she's actually a famous race car driver for some reason. It has nothing to do with Sora line. She just kind of is. But when in her identity as a famous race car driver, she identifies as male. So she, mm-hmm. so he pronouns are used and they have uh, all these girls fawning over, in inverted commas, him. 
But when she is Sailor Uranus, or when she's, you know, in her private moments with her, her lover, Sailor Neptune, she's a woman. So it's not it's not necessarily kind of the way I would typically think about people who are non-binary, mm-hmm. um, but uh, but it seems to be their own kind of interpretation for it. And, and you know, I appreciate the fact that the update acknowledged that, because I believe it was in the original manga anyway. Yeah. So I find... Like, the the Japanese approach to sexuality in anime to be really interesting in that there seems to be a lot of room for, um, in, in certain respects, a lot of room for uh, diversity when it comes to sexuality and gender, but it seems to be limited. Like, there's certain things that they're kind be, of okay with. I guess, lesbian-centric, I've seen. I think, like, now that I'm seeing... Um... JRPGs that aren't censored to take out the lesbianism. <laughs> mm. I think the lesbianism is generally presented more positively that whereas I think gay males are still presented negatively. Because as I understand it, like of, there is of course a queer community in Japan. Mm-hmm. They're not targeted in the way they might be in say the Sudan, but they're certainly not celebrated the way they are in, say, Western countries either. No, but I, like I feel like with the lesbianism, sometimes it's fetishized. Well, I mean, anime in and of itself is fetishized for towards yes, for women. For like, it's, it's females very, are fetishized. It's all about the male gaze. It, yeah. the the whole the whole genre is about the male. Well, gaze. we shouldn't generalize the whole genre. <laughs> Well, a lot, a lot of the one, the more popular ones tend yeah. to objectify women, and f- for me, I'd like, I would worry about being a woman watching anime because mm. the expectations are unrealistic. Like a lot, like so, we're watching another anime called Fairy Tale, uh, and it's quite, it's pretty good. Like mm. I think it's it's quite well written in parts. It's a bit slow, but I think that the bits that they probably um, translated from the manga are the bits that are really good and all the, the nonsense filler that they put in to try and, you know, um, make sure that there was enough episodes for year-round. I think they're kind of rubbish. But um, the main character is this, you know, blonde woman with quite large breasts. Mm-hmm. Like, like impossibly, impractically large breasts. And at various points in the series, um, one of the, the younger characters makes... Is sort of talks about being ashamed about her breast not being as big, and I keep thinking, what? I was like, I just it it, it would con- it concerns me for yeah young women in Japan to look at this and think that maybe this is meant to be an example. Yeah, like I've I've come across that a few times. Like they're sort of the younger sort of almost boyish body girls talking a lot about the older women's breasts. Mm. I think some of the examples in JRPGs, sometimes, the, you know, they're a bit more kick-ass. So <laughs> yeah. They don't seem as embarrassed and possibly traumatised <laughs> as in Fairy Tale. But, yeah, there, there is a lot of discussion about breast size in JRPGs, I've noticed. Mm. I think why I, I like Sailor Moon, other than the fact that it's, that it's pretty, um, is the fact that while it is still about the male gaze, like, if you if you don't know what I'm talking about, please just Google images Sailor Moon and you'll see what I mean. You know, they have these sailor outfits. I thought you meant if you didn't know what male gaze meant. No. <laughs> you can also Google that if you're not sure what male gaze means. Yes, and that's G-A-Z-E, not G-A-Y-S. Um, but, you know, with Sailor Moon, their skirts are very short. Like, it's, it's meant to be... Um, uh, 
reflective of you know traditional Japanese school uniforms, which yeah. are very sailor-like in nature. But the skirts in Sailor Moon are incredible, like almost to the point where you're like, why are you wearing anything at all? Yeah, yeah. Um, but the kind of the focus on nudity mm-hmm. uh, or near nudity or, or you know breast size or whatever is not there at okay. all in Sailor Moon, which I'm, I'm was always made me feel much more comfortable because watching fairy tale so often, you know, Lucy's losing her clothes or whatever, or having a shower. I'm like, I mean, I get it. I'm gay. It's not meant for me, but still. But also, it also makes Jake uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think but kissing makes Jake uncomfortable. Yeah. He, he's not, he's not big on any of that kind of stuff, but look, he's, he's 10. Yeah. <laughs> and look, he may never enjoy it and that's cool. Like, yeah. but, but he does, he does make a point of it every time <laughs> a, a scene involving kissing or, or near nudity comes up. Or shower. <laughs> yes. Indeed. He, just, he, he becomes very vocally uncomfortable. Yeah. But yeah, I think that's the other reason why I find Sailor Moon, and, and again, with the exploration of a lesbian relationship in one of, uh, whether you call her uh, Uranus and Neptune main characters is up for debate, but mm. in the main characters, that's I was quite impressed. Yeah, so you think it's done well in Sailor Moon Crystal? I think it's done better compared to the original, and I think this... Where it was... Erased entirely. Erased. <laughs> I mean, look, but the thing is, because... They're not necessarily main characters. It's not about their love. But their love is represented in this beautiful, um, you know, committed way. And mm. at, at one point, they, they raise a child together in essentially a throuple. Like, it's... It, it's I, that's, that's, a, that's an oversimplification of their relationship. But, you know, the diversity and the, the variations on what a family looks like, I think mm. they're, they're big on that in Sailor Moon, which I really... Um, I'm quite impressed by so, with the depiction of the gay characters in the modern version, mm. do you think that it is just as good as the depiction of the non-binary slash lesbian characters? Yeah, I think so. Because in the original Sailor Moon where they were erased, the Zoisite and Jadeite were just henchmen. Mm-hmm. Right? So they were just bad guys who who are you know fighting for power and recognition. Whereas they, what it turns out in Sailor Moon Crystal, spoiler alert, is that they were actually brainwashed. So they used to be good guys who were brainwashed by the bad guys. And when mm-hmm. they realised what was happening, you know, the four of them stood up against uh, the evil Queen Beryl and and fought against her and sacrificed their lives. But um, even at the end. Um, you know, there was still the love there. Like, there was a lot of mourning and loss because, mm-hmm. again, spoiler alert, uh, Zoisite dies before Jadeite does. Mm-hmm. So it's really... Um, it, it, it is done quite well. And But I think what it kind of shows for me is that... And, and I think a lot of people forget this. Anime isn't f- necessarily for kids. Yes. It is an art style. It is a way of, you know, of representing a story. But there's mm-hmm. a lot of adult... Uh, anime there. I don't know if I'd call Sailor Moon adult necessarily. I think it is quite campy and bright and colourful. Um, and, and a kid could watch it. And, and I think in in a way that's why I really appreciate the representation because mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a very accessible show. Whereas some others can be a little bit more um, say violent or a little bit more um, inappropriate for a child to watch. Yeah. And I think unlike some of the things we've talked about previously, it's not last minute, is it? 
What do you mean? The representation's not right at the end. No, 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 not at all. It is It is right there. Admittedly, again, they don't necessarily use the language of lesbian, mm-hmm. gay. They don't use words. Um, but they certainly show the relationship. It's not hidden away. It's not, oh, by the way, we happen to be married for the last, you know, 20 years or whatever. Well, no, I, I think more like when the two, the female lead and the female lead antagonist suddenly... Oh, you mean like in Legend of Korra? No, or Legend of Korra, also She-Ra. Yeah, yeah. Um, also, you commented about Mitchells and the Machines. Yes, that's true. Um, even though there was the Pride badge. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but you know, I think your point, which you made in the podcast, was that in Mitchells and the Machines, it, that wasn't really the point. Yeah, it was irrelevant. Yeah, it was irrelevant. In yeah. She-Ra, it was relevant. And they did wait till season five to, to really say it outright, but it was always there. Like, yeah. you, knew, you knew it was there from the beginning. Um, At least from that dance. Yeah, that's yeah, true. Um, and Legend of Korra, yeah, Korasami, you know, post post the series has become quite quite popular, but it was it was literally a scene at the very end of the yeah. series. With no real build up. No. No yeah. no hint, no build up. Whereas in She Ra it was very clear yeah. um that Katra and She Ra there was something between the two yeah. of them. And there was no um I guess decoy males. Yeah. So one of the things I came across recently listening to someone um, was the idea of, is representation ignorable? So I guess in the case of uh, Sailor Moon, when they redubbed it for English, I guess you could ignore it, like you didn't realise. Whether you put that blame on the original creators for having a character with long hair who could be given a female voice... (laughs) Yeah. Or not. Um, but again, but again in, in JRPGs, in anime, it's quite common for men to have long hair. Like, it's, it's yes. not necessarily for the point of androgyny per se. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. We probably shouldn't put the blame on the original creators, that they made it ignorable. Yeah. Um, but it, there are other cases, sort of more in the West, where uh, representation is put in, but could be considered ignorable. Mm. So one of, the situ- one of the ones that comes to mind is the last Star Wars movie, which was Rise Rise of Skywalker, Skywalker. in which the gay representation was a lesbian kiss in the background. Yeah. There's been some discussions about whether that was actually cut out for some countries. I think maybe Saudi Arabia and those sorts of countries, they probably did cut it out. Mm. I think I saw something that said in China it wasn't cut out, despite rumours that it would be put in in a certain way to be cut out for China. But the fact is, even if you didn't cut it out, if you weren't paying attention, you might not even notice (laughs) Yes, and whether that was by design, which it most likely was by design. <laughs> like, um... <laughs> yes. So basically, Disney had made an ignorable thing, and I guess you're talking about Jungle Cruise. Like, they never 100% say that he is gay. Yes. <laughs> and there was... I want to say Enchanted, but that's the wrong name. The one with the elves and the dad they're trying to bring Onward. Up. Onward. Yeah. Um. So I think she, like, refers to her girlfriend. Yeah. Which, unlike the word wife, does have a second meaning. Yes. I've actually thought someone was a lesbian because they're talking about a girlfriend and turned out they weren't. Oh, right. Um, that has happened to me. Mm. Um, so, you know, it could have just been her friend. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, I think most people didn't consider that ignorable but, and maybe that line could be redubbed or cut out because uh, it wasn't important to the story mm. um, in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> yes. But one of the things recently is the Eternals. So 
very minor spoils for the Eternals. <laughs> yeah, it's not even relevant to the storyline particularly. No, but in the Eternals, there is a gay character who is the first gay superhero in the Marvel. In the MCU, perhaps. The MCU, yeah. yeah. Oh, not not in Marvel, but yeah. in the MCU. Yeah. Um, and basically, he his part is not ignorable. Yeah. Like he his husband and child are very central. Yeah. To his scenes. So you can't really cut them out. So Disney has committed to it not being an ignorable thing. And also have committed to not cutting it out. And you were telling me that that has led to some countries just banning the movie. Yeah, so Saudi Arabia, Kuwait and Qatar, who I believe are all quite devout Muslim countries, mm-hmm. um, have banned the channels after Disney refused to edit it out. Yeah. Um, which, I mean, in part, good on Disney... But in part, what took you so long? <laughs> um, and really, the, you know, I, I guess I guess on a property like Marvel, this is probably something... Like the MCU particularly, I think this is something they, they might have had to cave to um, to Kevin Feige or, or something, some sort of... Uh, someone within that company, but um, but yeah, so they've uh, they they've said it, it wouldn't be cut out of any way because it's really quite an important part of the emotional core for both the character, yeah, it, and like his, the movie. His motivation to yeah for the rest of the movie is the fact that he has a family, mm. yeah. And I think what what I like about that particular storyline is sort of, and we talked about sort of talked about this in the last episode about it's a sin, you know. He is a gay character, but he's represented as a family man who mm. in a committed relationship, who's living in the suburbs and, um, you know, just just having a life for himself. And I, I liked that. I liked that. You know, I, I like you did with um, it's a sin and Colin. I felt represented by yeah. by um, Fausto. I think his name is or yes. Faust. Yeah, yeah. You are pretty old as well. Yes. Like, <laughs> pretty pretty old, like cradle robber. Yeah. That is you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so... Well, I, I guess it's interesting your reaction that it's about time. Like, it is one of those things that, like, where do we give credit? Like, when they actually do the right thing, is it like, well, you should have done that 10 years ago? Or do we say, good on you? Like, we would have liked you to do it 10 years ago, but you are doing it. <laughs> the Buddhist part of me would say, you know, appreciate the fact that it's happening at all. Mm-hmm. The um, the the young angry part of me says, "Well, why hasn't this happened earlier? And why did it take all these like weird missteps, like Onward and Jungle Cruise, for us to get to this point?" Yeah, Jungle Cruise sounds like it was more of a misstep. I like the, I think the problem with Onward was they advertised it. Yes, the, and that's I agree with that. Yeah, congratulating yourself is a bit like you really need to. Do something <laughs> significant <laughs> if you're gonna congratulate yourself. Mm. And I think that's look there. There is the challenge there because with things that represent us with media, whether it's film or television or whatever, television I think tends to be a little bit uh, more diverse than movies do. But it, unfortunately, it comes down to money. Right? That's a lot of it, really. Is how do you get distribution in the right countries? Because uh, we were saying earlier that you know China gets blamed for a lot of these things, but it's not always China who bans these movies for cultural reasons. Although, yeah. the way it's going now wouldn't surprise me if that does start happening more and more. Um, but uh, the point is that these sort of organisations have to kind of think: well, if we want the income that we're expecting from international distribution, how do we make it? 
palatable for other cultures who don't necessarily share the Western ideals of the people who made the movie in the first place. Yeah. And that's... That's that's a weird dilemma, and obviously the um, the social justice warrior in me says, "Who cares? Just do it. And it'll be normal, and people will stop caring." Yeah. But again, as we're seeing in China right now, there is um, cultures can change uh, and can drill down harder on their conservatism and prejudice if they really wanted to. Mm-hmm. So. You know that's not that's not a justification to excuse Disney and allow them to say okay cool now that now that someone said it's okay we're gonna start ignoring gay people again, um, but I understand the dilemma. Yeah, I guess it is a capitalist dilemma, and we do live in a capitalist society. Yeah, and capitalism doesn't create greatness like some people seem to think it does. <laughs> no, no, but. Um, there was a, we were watching Gruen the other night and they were talking about a John Lewis ad which featured a, a young a young gentleman uh, dressing up uh, you know in, in a dress and wearing makeup and running around the house destroying things and uh, the panelists there were really advocating positively for it saying this is a really good, big step forward and I agree I mean the, the ad is beautiful I love it yeah and, but <laughs> they they made a point of saying one of the panelists made a point of saying that it you know diversity makes money it sells yeah Right, because when people feel, uh, what, what was the, I found one of the statistics was fascinating. What is it like? Seventy percent of millennials will factor in, um, you know, the the principles or the causes mm-hmm. that a company represents in their decision making. Yeah, well, I've heard that they even consider that when looking at employment, they want to be employed by an ethical company, mm. not just consume the products of an ethical company yeah which but that is also very much a rich person luxury privilege yeah, luxury. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> to be able to be selective about the products that you buy and yeah the, the, the people you're employed by yeah I, it's I get like that. that um joke from the good place which you'll probably have to remind me of because you've memorized the good place <laughs> where like someone tries like is trying to get points to go to the good place by like buying it Tomato. tomato. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how it's impossible to not get bad place points from buying a tomato. So the yeah, so so there's the tomato and there's the flowers. They have two examples in two different episodes. Sorry, I'm about to good place nerd out. If you haven't watched it, why not? And go watch it now. And this um, is not really a spoiler. <laughs> no. Um, so so the example in, in The Good Place, they talk about the idea that you earn good points and bad points and it determines whether you go to heaven or hell or whatever, or the good place or the bad place, which is the sort of the equivalent. And they talk about how, um, you know, in, the, in centuries ago, buying flowers for someone would earn you points because it was considerate and it was, and, you know, you were trying to do something nice. Whereas now, the problem is you might use a phone that was manufactured by a, a company that employs child labour, um, you the, to transport the flowers from wherever you bought them from, you might have had to use you know uh, high amounts of petrol, which is environmentally unsound. Um, you know all all these sort of um, uh, unintended consequences of your actions because the world is so globalized and so complex that you don't see all the moving parts that led into, into your decision. Where the decision on face value seems so simple. Right, but you kind of, but that's because you're only seeing what's in front of you and not mm-hmm. kind of recognizing the bigger picture. And if you did, it would either be a your job or b your head would explode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so like it, it can be difficult if you don't have a lot of money to not buy the cheap shirt, even though if you think about it, how is it so cheap? 
Yeah, I mean, look, the the Kmart dilemma is a big one for me, uh, because, you know, as much as I want to support fair labour practices, um, and I want to support Australia to some degree, buying clothes for kids that grow out of stuff mm. all the time, unless I wanted to do what my parents did, which is to buy things like five sizes too big and go, you are wearing it, and that's all there is to it, um, you know, to buy appropriately sized clothes for kids, it is expensive mm. you know if you if you when you factor all those things in so as much as you want might want to do the ethical thing you are still bound by capitalist measures of you know what your income is like and whether you see the value in it and yeah. all those sorts of things so being able to decide whether your employer is ethical might yeah wouldn't necessarily be an option for someone who wants to be uh, a pick packer <laughs> Or, or work in delivery. Like, like Uber's not particularly ethical, no. as far as, right? Um, but there are still... Uber Eats is still massive. You know, yeah. there are Uber drivers out there who... I don't know I don't know why they choose their job, whether because it, you know, it low overhead. If they just have a car, they can just earn money. But they do it because they, they must do it for a reason that suits yeah, them. Yeah, they, they must do it because they need money. It's not a job that anyone dreams about as yeah. a child. <laughs> Like, unless you're really like riding bikes or something. You're like, oh, that'd be fun, riding a bike all day. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I think it's something people do for money. Yeah. Pretty much always. But but I guess the, the point here is that, look, we've, we've learnt uh, over decades and decades, and certain parts of the world have learnt where other parts have not, that diversity is not something to be avoided or hidden. Yeah. Um, that, okay, sure, in principle, if you don't like it, great. Don't watch the movie. Don't watch Eternals. That's fine. Mm. But companies should not feel beholden to the conservatives for fear of losing money. Yes. Though, I do wonder if including... Like, doing the right thing in the Eternals would actually make them any more money than doing the wrong thing would have. I don't know. Well, again, international markets is the, is the one is the one data measure that I don't really look at. Oh, but like even thinking, is there anyone who would be like, oh, I wasn't going to go see the Eternals, but now I will because their representation is good. I mean, it might be. I mean, think about the success of Black Panther. And don't get me that, wrong. That is true. Black Panther is a great film. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter the fact that it has uh, an all uh, African-American cast who are all... Mm. The, you know, the fact is, Chadwick Boseman was... is ta- Was, God, was. Yes. Was. was talented and amazing in that role. Everyone in that movie was great. Yeah. Um, so it was a good movie, independent of anything else. But the amount of... Um, attention it attracted from the African-American community yeah. and the amount of support it garnered for being representative mm-hmm. was massive. Yeah. Now... And people went out of their way to remove barriers to people seeing it. Mm, exactly. Yeah. Whether the same... I don't, I don't know whether the response was the same for, say, Shang-Chi, mm-hmm. you know, being an all-Asian cast. Um, I think I think there was a thing about Crazy Rich Asians, though. So Crazy Rich Asians um, was quite popular and mm. there is a sequel in the pipeline I believe but I think there there was a similar kind of response in that you know Asian people went to see it because it had an Asian cast mm. so yeah I think that there, look it might not have been this uh, quite the phenomenon that Black Panther was when it came to cultural representation and driving that kind of attention and attracting more money but I don't think it would have hurt either to have mm. the Eternals have a have a a gay main character. Yeah. And I guess the new version of Sailor Moon has better diversity and is better. <laughs> yes. It is, it is not as repetitive. <laughs> on a number of measures. Um, and look, part of it also is that 
maybe it's had time. It's had time to build up its following because, you know, I keep making Google suggestions. Google Sailor Moon cosplay. <laughs> like, it is... I don't think that, that everywhere. It did, well, that's the point, though. Like, but the yeah. fact is they felt that in order to uh, honour the original manga properly, they redid it, mm. and it is doing gangbusters, yeah. right? So, the addition, or no, not even the addition, the recognition of the original, you know, gay characters and lesbian characters from the original manga is big. And it kind of shows that in the 90s, that kind of Western censorship, that that the, the gay erasure or in translation mm. um, should no longer be a thing. Like, we shouldn't be seeing that anymore in, yeah. in translated properties. Yeah, it is unnecessary in this day and age. Mm. I think it is probably lessening. I'm hearing less about it. Mm. Yeah. It's a, the more I hear it, well, look, they covered that character up. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> or one case where they actually, they took, so there was a character, because of the mechanics of the game, your main character could be male or female. And they had a, a lesbian, but they wanted the men to be able to um, marry the lesbian. So they introduced like a potion she could drink. That made her straight. Yeah, that's not great. That got censored out, and I'm like, that's probably a good. Censorship. Yeah, that's a, that's a fair censorship, yeah. I would say. Actually, sorry, just just as a final note, you know, because I've I've been lording over Sailor Moon, but one of the, the games I enjoyed recently was Story of Seasons, mm-hmm. um, and why I particularly love it is because in Story of Seasons, it's it's a farming game. So you you have a farm, you grow crops and raise animals, um, and you also build relationships with people in the town, and you can have a romantic relationship. But from the get go. You can, your options for romantic relationships are both male and female. Yeah. So I, of course, chose what I thought to be the cutest male, which was Jack. Um, and, uh... But I chose the hottest male. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I chose the down-home, the down-home boy. Yeah, my, my guy was, like, this rude guy. <laughs> I slowly chipped away at. <laughs> but I really liked that. And I, and, you know, we got married, of, uh, of sorts. Like, a, yeah, you had yeah. a marriage. We got, we got married in the, in the baby, game. We had a baby, but the baby appeared in a cabbage patch which, so I think really... is, which I think is true of all the babies yes which is the type of game it is which is equality like yeah. that's a that's a big thing right The Sims was the same like I think you, like you could be gay and then a baby would turn up but I can't remember how the baby turned up <laughs> no cabbage patches no I didn't come out of the cabbage patch <laughs> maybe someone just brought it to you but yeah, like, I, I did, I think when we started in Sorrow Seasons, I did Google, as I often do with these sorts of games, can you have a same-sex relationship? Because <laughs> I don't want to spend all my time, like, befriending, like, a random guy and then I have to, like, marry a woman. Like, probably the most mannish woman. No, <laughs> no I, did, I did do that in, I think it was Persona 4, one of the female characters basically presented as a man to begin with. Like, I don't think she was non-binary. I think it was a um, comment on her being able to be a detective, get taken more seriously as a detective if people thought she was a man. Mm. But I chose her as my love interest. (laughs) Um, Because, despite the fact that in Persona 4, there was a character who it seemed like was gay, and apparently, like the Japanese version, it was more obvious he was gay than the Western version, censorship. Um, Your main character cannot choose a man. Mm. And in Persona 5, um, once again, you can't choose a man... But you can choose your teacher. <laughs> yeah. Because your female teacher, that's a better option than a man. <laughs> <laughs> 
again, Japanese sexuality, I find, I'm, I'm fascinated by. I find it so weird and inconsistent. But yeah. it comes from somewhere. Like, there, mm. must, be, there must be some, some uh, reason for it. Yeah. But yes. So, censorship. <laughs> yeah. Let's not censor our gays out anymore. Indeed. Yeah. That's it. Thanks for listening, guys. We hope you enjoyed the episode. We'll talk to you next time.